That's News to Me is a Twisted Dreams comedy production. Welcome to That's News to Me. I'm Mookie G. And I'm Erica. We scour the internet to find funny, weird, absurd news stories to blur the bad, depressing, boring stuff, and hopefully bring a smile to your face. We're so glad you've joined us for another episode. If you wouldn't mind, continue to help us do what we love. You can support the show in three ways, none of which require your money. All we ask is that you subscribe so you don't miss a future episode, share us with your friends so we can continue to grow, and leave us a five-star review so that we know you like what you hear. Shall we get started? Let's go. Girl, what are you ranting about? I'm talking about the podcast news to me. Have you never heard of it? Look, listen to the catchy jingle. Press play. Erica B and Mookie G and everything they say. Man, it's news to me. You got Mookie G and Erica B and everything they say. Man, it's news to me. Found it in the peach. News to me. Every word do teach because it's news to me. You got news to me. News to me. Erica and Mookie and news to me. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of That's News to Me. I'm comedian Mookie G. And I'm Erica. Erica, I don't know why I always say I'm comedian Mookie G. I think people should know who I am by now. That's all right. You're throwing it out into the universe. I'm just Mookie G. I don't go around. That's not on my... You don't introduce yourself as comedian Mookie G. I have been lately, weirdly yeah, enough. I don't really? know why. It's weird. I That's should, awesome. I should stop that. And then also, we're recording this episode on Zoom, and I'm sitting right next to Erica and... Yeah, it's like we're huddling a- against a fire. Yes. Or together with a fire to keep our hands warm. And also, it's cozy. Yeah, I worked out this morning and I didn't shower. Oh, well, I can't smell you. So you must have not worked out too hard. I don't like that. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Kind of pisses me off. I right mean, oh, you're musty. <laughs> I don't like that at all. <laughs> Erica, how so have you been? Good, busy. Good, busy. That's it. Mm-hmm. That was, seemed like you're thinking about it. I'm thinking about it. I mean, I'm good. I shouldn't complain because I love my children, but I've just become an Uber driver for them and I don't get paid for it. Whenever a parent starts off a sentence by, you know, I love my children. You know, it's about to be a butt and it's about to be really bad. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's always a, a very telling story. I love my children, but then they get on my damn nerves. I know. I feel bad for, I, and it's not complaining. It, that's a bad way to say it. Working full time, I really can't start my my work until 9 a.m. Because by the time I drop both my children off at school, it's 8.45 and then drive back to my house. So 9 until 3, I have to leave my house at 3 to go pick up my daughter from high school. Mm-hmm. Then my son gets out at 4.05. It's not really enough time for me to go anywhere else. So I go straight to the school and wait for 20 minutes for him to get out of school. And then I can come home around 4.30. So I can really only work between the hours of nine and three. And then I have to have a, like an hour for lunch, right? Erica, I heard everything you said, but the only thing I could think was, you know who doesn't care? My kids. The teachers. Oh. Bring your kids there late and pick them up early. How about that? That's what they're probably thinking. Yeah. Yeah. All, all of that you just said, you know, you, you drop them off, you pick them up. Just get there, pick them up. Don't leave them at school late. And if you want to drop them off late, that's fine. Yeah, that's true. I'm just thinking about the teachers of that whole, that whole conversation. But, uh, you know, it's hard to juggle getting the kids to school without getting arrested for them missing so many classes <laughs> and then working where, you know, they do performance evaluations at the end of the year. And so if I don't get, if I don't do a good job, then I might not get a pay raise. <laughs> I don't get a pay raise. Immediately. I thought you were, <laughs> immediately. I thought you were talking about the children. were going to be evaluating you as parents. Oh, they do that every day. I was about to say you, the kids give you a raise. My son's like, ma'am, you were five minutes late. <laughs> My son talks like Cartman from South park. That's man. Uh, last night he goes what's for dinner i was like i just made we had people over for dinner i made this huge spread of food and he's like i want mac and cheese i'm like <laughs> i made you spanish tapas that would cost 300 dollars at a restaurant there's steak there's shrimp there's tilapia there's potatoes damn 
I mean, it was a spread. And you didn't invite me? Really? I, know, right? I thought we were friends. We are friends. I got leftovers up there. You want some ceviche? Oh, now I want <laughs> Now you want to offer me leftovers? That's what kind of, I'm a leftover friend. No, now this is better because it's it's marinated and it's juices. <laughs> All the spices have come together. I love how you're trying to sell me on Yeah, right? right? You know what, Erica? Mm-hmm. Kiss my wrist. <laughs> Sorry. Are you ready to get into these yes, stories? Yes, let's get into the stories and get this spotlight off of me. <laughs> We're going to come back to these Mexican tapas later. Dang it. Okay. I'm going to go first today. Okay. Because we have a guest with us to we go do. along with uh, my story. My guest today, I say my guest, but our guest. Our guest. I don't know why I'm saying my, I'm being You're selfish. Just, you are being selfish. It's okay. Yes. I, uh, Your selfishness negates my not inviting you over <laughs> last night for Spanish tapas night. I, I will accept that. Okay, thank you. Yeah, We're accept, even now. I'll accept that. So my story comes to us today from finance.yahoo.com. That's fancy. Yeah, it is fancy. fancy. You, you would think I would not uh, venture into a website like that. No, I'm impressed, though, because oh. usually it's like ladbible.com. <laughs> Crazy <laughs> some, story. Something about, ridiculous. Yeah. But it's about teachers. Oh. It's about the teacher shortage across the country. And this is close to home for you because you are a teacher. Yes. I've been everything from a teacher to a teacher's assistant to a uh, custodian. Don't get it twisted. I was the head custodian, but I've worked my way down the ladder in the educational system. Yeah. Yeah. It's I, easier to go down than that's what she said. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> you know, you always find a way to make things nasty. I do. I'm, oh, my gosh. But anyway, the... AFT. What's the AFT stand for? Excuse me. Excuse me. Excuse me. Sorry. Excuse me. I don't know what that means. But here, you tell me. American Federation of Teachers. See, we're sitting next to each other, so we could do this with yeah, each other. Yeah, like, like this. <clears throat> play off each other with the stories. Yeah. What does it stand for again? American Federation of Teachers. Yes. Found that 79% of pre-K through 12 grade educators are dissatisfied with their jobs. Ooh, a lot of angry teachers. A lot of angry there. teachers. And they found that they're feeling this way because of political attacks, shortages at work, school shootings, and the stagnant salaries. Dang. Yeah, that's a lot. Makes me wonder why people are continuing to go into education. Yes. Why are they going in? But let's find out why so many are leaving. Why? So, From that explanation, I get it. From that ex- sounds terrible. It is. It's, it is ridiculous. So with us today, our guest comes yes. to us from the education system. And this human being, it is a beautiful human being that I just met today. Uh, Serena walked away from the education system this past year. Oh, that's recent. Serena is now a stay at home mom, a uh, avid beer drinker. Uh, nice. In her spare time. But before that, not only was Serena a teacher, Serena was a teacher of the year. Oh, wow. At her school where she worked. She was also teacher of the year for the state. Dang. So Serena had a lot of successful accolades. Sounds like it. Behind her name. Serena decided that that wasn't enough to make her stay in her position. Which is interesting because I'm in HR. And so the whole corporate America thing is let's keep our employees engaged. What can we give them? What recognition can we give them to keep them engaged? So this is telling me that at some point Mm -hmm. your work environment could get so bad that no level of recognition could get you to stay. Uh, Well, it happened for Serena. Ladies and gentlemen, we give to you Serena. Hello. Hello. Thank you for having me. How are you? I I'm feeling great. Yeah, Serena it's nice to not be a teacher. From a closet. I am. That's the only quiet place in my house. <laughs> <laughs> Ironically enough, I go into my closet to cry from time to time. It's a great place for that. It's the only place they can't find you. Quiet. <laughs> Turn the lights off and it's dark. Yes. So, Serena, I know I've mentioned some things, but I'm sure I left some things out. So, is there anything else you would like to share about yourself with the listeners? No, you made me sound really good. Uh, I liked that. That was nice. I was good at my job and it wasn't worth it anymore. <laughs> I mean, you good. Is that the word you would use? Sounds good? Like I, I someone someone I worked with once called me coach do too much. 
Okay. Um, I was a PE teacher, so um, I got that name because I was never satisfied with doing the bare minimum, and I liked to do too much. You know, I was involved yeah, in way too many her. things and made it as good as I could. And then these last couple years, it has been not fun to do too much. I want to do nothing. Okay. I was coach. Coach getting by. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I, let's, let's take it back. So how long did you teach? Nine years. Nine years. So mm -hmm. when you first started, or back before you started, what made you get into teaching? The kids. Okay. Yeah. Straight up. I love, I love hanging out with the little kids, especially the kindergartners. Those ones are my favorite. They're so fun and full of joy and they want to do my job, they want to play games and have fun. And no teaching has always been about helping kids and not about all this other rigmarole that they force on you. Um, so no, I got into it because I liked teaching kids that exercise is important and that can be fun. And I was, I got to be the fun teacher and do play games and throw stuff around the gym. Like <laughs> Who wouldn't right. want to do that all day? See, PE is the outlet for the students throughout the day. PE and recess. Yeah. Mm -hmm. it's like that's the favorite part of a student's day. PE, recess, and then for me, being a fat lunch. guy, lunch. 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 Yeah. lunch. Yeah, lunch. I'm with you on lunch. I list that as one of my favorite subjects, too. And, you know, it's a, it's like every kid, like between that and art, I'd say art is my other competition for like elementary school kids of like everybody's favorite subject. So, no, it's just a fun, it should be a fun job. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. When did you find your rhythm as a teacher? When did you get into the groove? Like, okay, you got into it because of the kids, but when you first got into it, you did always for, you know, for teachers, it's like the first few years is kind of bumping. You're trying to figure it out. When did you find your rhythm? <laughs> um, probably like two or three years into it. Um, I had an assistant who kept me from uh, doing too, too much. Um, would knock me down a little bit. Like I remember once I was like, can you count how many balls we have? And he was like, why? And I was like, I just want to know the inventory of how many balls we have for my planning. And you were like, that's stupid. <laughs> <So> <laughs> and I was like, yeah, you're probably right. That's, that's kind of dumb. We have enough balls. Why would I count them? <laughs> um, so Oh, also, that's a perk of being a PE teacher is you just talk about balls all the time and <laughs> jokes. But no, I would say it took me a couple years to kind of figure it out and realize what works and what's kind of something they teach you in school that's kind of outdated and stupid um, and finding your way with like how to make admin understand what you're doing and understand that you are doing all the stupid little things that they're looking for. It just doesn't look like a normal classroom teacher um, figuring out how to actually get the kids to listen, but still be fun. Um, and no, it, it, it's probably a two year learning curve. I'd say straight out of school, no matter what you what, what position you're in. I think that's probably normal. OK, now I'm going to continue with this thing of, you know, your years in teaching, but stay, stay on the positive side right now. OK, <laughs> so the the years leading up <clears throat> to becoming teacher of the year, uh, not only at your school, but in the state where you uh, taught. What was that like? Was that exciting for you? What, what was your motivation for pursue? Did you pursue it or, you know, tell us about that. Definitely. I'm a pretty competitive person. Um, <laughs> so that that's like the thing that you can achieve. Like you're saying, like a goal for an HR or a goal for a teacher is like, that's the only way you can really get recognized. And for me as a PE teacher, I hated when people would say like, oh, you're like, I, I introduced myself as a teacher. You say you introduced yourself as a comedian. I was always introduced as a teacher because I didn't want anybody to be like, oh, that's a PE teacher. She doesn't really teach because my job is a lot different and it's still, it's still very challenging. Um, I'm still a teacher. Um, so I wanted to get recognized for being a teacher, not necessarily for being a PE teacher. So that was my goal. Um, probably I think about two years in, that was what I set my sights on <laughs> was becoming teacher of the year. I was like teacher of the month that like third year, um, got a taste of the trophy and I was like, I want, I want that. So I want it all. Yeah. So I went for it. I, I mean, I didn't really change too much of what I was doing. I just wrote it all down. I took pictures. I made sure that they could see that I was going above and beyond in every way I could think of. I didn't have kids yet. I didn't have 
anything taking my spare time so I could really work outside of work to kind of build these lessons and build these things into my curriculum that would make me stand out. Um, and then it helps that I am very outspoken and <laughs> a lot of teachers don't want to be teacher of the year because the interview process gives them anxiety and they don't like talking about themselves. Um, every teacher that I've worked with that goes through teacher of the year process is like, I don't want to do that part. And I'm like, that's my favorite part. <laughs> like, please. <laughs> please let me tell you how good I am. Right. And um, I, I have no problem talking about myself. So maybe that's why I'm on this podcast, but they, uh, join the club. <laughs> yeah. So I was like, yeah, let me tell you here. I brought like my like list into the interview. I was like, I do this, I do this, I do this. Um, how can you not pick me basically? So, I mean, that's, that was my goal. I set my sights on. And then I think for the national or the, the state one, it was more of I advocated for myself there too. And that's in the field. So that's that's different. You're comparing yourselves to other PE teachers. But I definitely, for me, being chosen as a teacher in the school, like that was a big deal for me to like be the PE teacher, but also be the, the best teacher. Yeah, because you would have had to have beaten out you know, classroom teachers from first grade or real teachers. Yes. Right. right. Cool. <laughs> yeah. You see the air quotes in the podcast, yeah. right? Real air quotes. <laughs> Insert air quotes here. <laughs> now let's talk about the students. What was it like teaching students? You, you saw every student in the school. What was that like? Challenging at times for sure. Um, but that was the best part. I don't think I'd ever want to be a classroom teacher and only know 30 kids, 20 kids, whatever the class size is. Um, you know this. You walk into the lunchroom and, man, you are a celebrity um, that just showed up at a Starbucks. You know, everybody wants to talk <laughs> to you. Everybody wants you to come see what they're doing. Like the whole cafeteria is like, couch, couch, you know. So, you know, I, I loved being able to be in the hallway before or after school and they, you know, be like, oh, hey, Tommy, what's up? you know, and like talk to every kid, know every kid's name. That was a huge part of the fulfillment of my job. Um, I think that kids, I, I know we're not going into the negatives yet, but the last couple of years when they're wearing masks, it's a lot harder to, to, to learn them, to know them when you only see their eyes. Um, and it's a lot harder when you can't see their reactions. You can't see you smile at my jokes. I know I'm laying down some hard comedy here. <laughs> you, are, you just, you're, all I see is blank stare. Uh, it makes it a lot less fulfilling uh, for sure. But getting to see 700 kids a day, that was great. That's great. Okay. All right. Well, you mentioned the negative. You, you brought up the word negative. Let's go there. When did you notice the change, the shift to where you were not being fulfilled as an educator? I mean, for me, it ties into the pandemic, I think. It's not a surprise, I think, to anyone. Every career has suffered. Every person has suffered. We've suffered a, a trauma as a world, and nothing's been done about it. That's the problem. We've all been through a trauma, but right. no one is really helping anyone. We're all just struggling through it. You take a job like mine, which is very hands-on, very physical, and you put me in front of a screen, and you want me to engage these kids what like that's the first step there the fifth graders are all just turning their cameras off <laughs> you know what i mean like this is a dream for those kids who who don't like my class because now what are you gonna do like no one's there to see you no one's you can't help anyone um so i think you know going virtual for a year was just a huge struggle for everyone like it does i understand it had to happen I don't want it. I don't want the COVID. You can keep it. But when we when we switched and then they put us like back in school, but just put the teacher in school and kept the kids at home, th that was terrible. <laughs> like sitting in an empty gym with my computer doing jumping jacks and trying to engage them was not what I signed up for, you know? And imagine being on a Zoom call with 60 kids at a time. That classroom engagement, that like fulfilling part of my job, seeing them, you know, get something, seeing them understand how to jump rope, seeing them, you know, finally throw that ball and hit that target down and be so proud. Like those things don't happen anymore. <laughs> like, and so you took away all of the good parts of my job and just left me with the crap. And honestly, 
the best part is being able to mute them. That was the best part. <laughs> you just mute all. The whole class has to listen. Um, but they're probably doing the same thing to me. So I, I mean, and then I experienced my son sometimes accidentally somebody in his class would mute the teacher and, you know, it, everything would go silent. And then the, the kid would figure out how to unmute the teacher. The teacher would be screaming at all the kids. Stop muting me. I mean, it, it was quite a mess because most teachers are not very tech savvy. I'll be honest. It's, it's not good. You've never it's had to be before, really. No. So that was rough. And then to come back and you're just so excited to come back into the building and to see them. But then you, again, you don't really get to see them. You're just seeing their eyeballs and everything's weird for them and everything's weird for you. And they haven't been in school for a year and a half. So they're like just stunted in a way that I can't explain <laughs> unless you've seen it. I mean, like at least for a grownups, like I think you can go back into the world and it's still kind of weird though, right? Like even now when I walk into a grocery store without a mask on, I'm like, whoa, you can see my whole face, <laughs> right? Um, so I think for the kids, it was like, how do I interact with other people again? You're not just going to mute me when I speak out of turn. Now I have to learn when I'm allowed to talk. And now I have to, you know, like raise my hand to leave the classroom. I've got, you know, like there's a whole lot more just social emotional struggles that they didn't have that these kindergartners were three you know when covid happened they never went to preschool they didn't do anything and then now they're thrown in to an elementary situation and they're by the time they see me at noon like <laughs> they are they are tears and they are i want mommy and they don't understand why they have to be here and why they have to wear these masks and you know why i have to listen to you and why i have to stay in this spot and i just want to go home now granted that's not that much different than kindergarten normally is it's <laughs> yeah normally that's like the first week not the entire year so no i think the drop-off was that the fulfillment wasn't there as much with what the kids um, could do. And then there was no support <laughs> from anyone with how to help them find their way back. It was just push them through, push them through, like get them as good as you can. And then we're, we're moving on to the next batch basically. And so like when the pandemic happened, the first graders are the ones that like you saw really struggle. Like they, they came back really in third grade and that whole grade is just like, I have no control over them. <laughs> like it is and and the older they get the bigger the classes get and it's just every kid needs support every single kid and and i mean they always have right but it's it's every kid needs you to hold their hand and kind of walk them through some processes and talk about their feelings and talk about um you know their trauma essentially but there's one counselor in the school and there's 70 kids in my class who need help and that was just so frustrating <laughs> and draining as a, as a teacher. Okay. Yeah. That's why I didn't read much of the article because I knew you were going to speak on exactly what was talked about in this article. That was one of the first things that popped up in this article, how there was no support and how everything changed in the pandemic. There was no support. And coming back in after the pandemic, when students were being pushed back into the classroom, it was like, all right, you have the kids again. Here are the rules. They can't touch each other. Yeah, they got to sit so far apart and go back to teaching. Have fun. It's like, wait, that's it? What? Uh, yeah. And there, there were no rules and regulations on what else to do. And no one was there to help the teachers. Now, when I say no one was there to help the teachers, let's talk about that now. Talked about the students. Let's talk about the administration. Not only in the building, but those officials, independent school districts and counties, wherever you may be. That should be helping, but for some reason, they disappeared. The help disappeared, and they didn't have any answers. Did that happen with you? Oh, for sure. I mean, there's always been a disconnect, and you can speak on this, that, like, admin doesn't really know what's going on <laughs> in your classrooms. The further removed your principal is from being a teacher, 
the harder it is for for that school to kind of have that understanding. Um, and I think that the further away you get up the ladder, you know, the superintendents or the stupid people making these decisions for us in the school board, they don't understand what it's like. They're like, yeah, keep them six feet apart, keep them away from each other. That's impossible. No classroom has that much space except for mine. I have the safest room in the school. I can keep a kid six feet apart from another, but what are we supposed to do? Are we allowed to throw a ball back and forth? Are we allowed to <laughs> kick a ball back and forth? Are we allowed to share? Do I need to have a hand, hand sanitizer on the ball, throw it, hand sanitizer? <laughs> like, there was no direction. Some schools just, you know, said screw it and did whatever they wanted. They were back to playing large group games together and just, you know, playing tag and running around. And I was like, that's insane, considering we just talked about how we probably shouldn't be breathing on each other. These kids don't keep the masks on no matter what you tell them. So I kind of went real strict and I know other teachers did not. I kept them in a box taped out on the floor for an entire year. We did PE in a box and... I recorded stupid videos myself, throwing a ball up in the air, spinning around, like just made up a bunch of things we could do inside a box. And I had to change my whole curriculum to fit a box. And what sucks about that is half of my curriculum is learning how to work with others. <laughs> and so we can't. How are we supposed to work together with someone when you can't touch someone, you can't share equipment, you can't be in the same space. So like, I can't teach them how to work together, which is a big part of my job. One of my favorite things to do was to teach them how to be a good teammate, right? That was my, what I painted on the wall. The teamwork makes a dream work. Like that was my, that's my thing. That's what we're here for. Like everybody has to work with people the rest of your life. Like we're going to learn it in here and you're going to use it in the classroom and you're going to use it in your jobs. And when you grow up, you're going to need to work with people. And I'd always use like my assistant as like an example, right? Like we work together. We might not always love each other. You might think I'm really annoying sometimes, but we're gonna, we have to learn to work with each other, even if it's not your best friend. And so those things don't happen anymore. There's like two years where they just didn't do that. <laughs> and so then you flip a switch and you say, okay, the school year's back to normal, which was last year, back to normal. <laughs> and it, it was a disaster. I mean, I've got essentially, I was teaching three grades of kindergarten. And then the older kids were a different kind of weird where they were just weird. Um, you know, they've made it, they're not, it's not that they don't know how to work together. It's that they've realized that they can do different things behind a screen than they can do, you know, face to face. And, you know, I think they're just a lot meaner than they were before they were empowered in a way that they're behind a keyboard and could stay stuff. And now we're face to face. And I, the things that I heard, starting in like third grade, I was like, this is, this is middle school stuff. Like, why are we here right now? So I think that the maturity of being at home and seeing stuff or hanging out with older siblings or maybe just being on the internet by yourself is not great for anyone. There's just like this huge drop off either direction. It was, I'm not mature enough to handle working with a person and I'm not mature enough to handle working with a person because I'm mean, like, because I can't and because I just, I'm going to be a jerk. And for me, that was just like heartbreaking in so many ways. And I, I carried that home. Like it was just so like, I, I pride myself on being able to get them to work together. And I just can't, like, I couldn't figure out a solution to these problems because I'm still trying to keep them apart, trying to keep them, you know, not breathing on each other, trying to keep up their masks on or whatever. And it was just hard to find the joy that was easy to find at the beginning. Okay. Did admin set rules that were attainable <laughs> no <laughs> <laughs> you, you can tell a kid not to be within six feet of another you you're a teacher does a kid know what six feet is <laughs> yeah i remember my daughter in kindergarten there was a lice outbreak and so i told her you know this was before covid and i was like do not hug friends right now do not share don't go near friends right now with especially with your head that child got out of my car to bebop into the school the first day after I told her that. I watched her hug three people before she even <laughs> walked into the door, right? She might as well just lick their face. Yep. <laughs> so, yeah, the kids, they're so spontaneous. And when they get excited, you can't. Oh, yeah. For me, the biggest thing when I realized we were going back to school with masks is my job is a lot of heavy breathing. I was oh, like, yeah. Like a kid and like the little kids, like they would like 
suck on the mask and it would just be all wet you can see the wetness and, yeah and then like the best is like they pull it down sneeze put it back up <laughs> like, there's only so much you can do right and so no i think none of the rules i mean if you wanted them six feet apart they didn't even have like the little kids have tables they don't even have desks so you have like one kid at a table one kid on the floor like and then they yeah, the kids were sitting on the floor for months. Like, it, there's not, they weren't logical solutions to the problem. You can't keep kids in a classroom that far apart. They're not going to walk down the hallway with that much separation in a line. It would take up the whole hall. <laughs> like, wow. Then the lunchroom, none of the things they said were, were achievable. But I mean, obviously, it's a situation where like no one knows what to do, but like someone had to look at that and be like, that's impossible. <laughs> like, yeah. wow. Common sense should have taken over at some point. You would yeah. Think. I mean, but. if you were to ask me which was better, teaching with all of these rules in place or teaching from an empty gym, the answer is an empty gym. Because the stress and anxiety of trying to keep them all from breaking all those rules. <laughs> like, wow. I mean. But I, so if it was stressful trying to keep them to make, you know, make the kids follow the rules, that means admin were making a point to say, hey, these, why don't that kid have on a mask? You got to make sure they keep on a mask. Were they coming after teachers in your building saying that? Um, I, For sure. Um, there were a couple of times when like you'd see like a teacher with their mask off and I'd be like, put your mask back on. I'm like, <laughs> like, what are you doing? But I get it. Like it, it's real hard to control the kids when they can't see your face. You can shoot them that look you know and you can't anymore that you you've lost like all the power and for me i have a microphone so it was fine i could still you could still hear me um as well as you could without a mask um but for teachers they'd be like pull it down to yell and i'm like that's creating more spit you're spitting <laughs> um, you know and i'm like like that it's it's just counterproductive um but no they were definitely like mask police essentially and it was exhausting um, wow wow okay all right so we're going to move on from the pandemic to something else that was mentioned in the article. The fear of school shootings. A lot of teachers walked away after the, I want to say it was the last school shooting now, Uval, what happened in Uvalde, Texas. To, mm -hmm. uh, Texas. Um, that unfortunate story. Did that help you walk away? I'm not, and when I say help, I don't mean it in a helpful way, but did that have any bearing on you leaving the school system? I had already decided to go, but it definitely made me feel like I was making the right choice. It's obviously not the first one. I remember being in school for Sandy Hook and just thinking like, there's really nothing stopping anyone um, from doing that. And it's terrifying. And I, I remember I was on the safety committee when I first started. And as I've said already, I'm a very outspoken individual. <laughs> <laughs> I got myself, I think, in a little bit of trouble because I was like, I raised my hand. I'm like, this plan is stupid. <laughs> like, the uh, the principal was like, like taken aback that I was fighting with, you know, obviously like the school district's plan um, for what to do in an active shooter situation. I was like, why, why wouldn't someone just get on the intercom and be like, hey, this there is, you know, a shooter in our building. And he is going down the kindergarten hall on the intercom so that the teachers in fifth grade can open their doors and fly out the, the school building. Right. Like there's like, why are we all just going to lock our doors and wait? Like, I think that's stupid um, because I understand if he's in the hallway that we should go hide. We can't get out. But like he knows we're here. Yeah. <laughs> so why don't we say that we know where he is? Because you're locked in your office with cameras um, and that was met with a lot of resistance. And well, I, it ended up with me being like, well, if I'm very far away from the entrance to the school building, um, and if someone comes in to the school and I hear that, I'm gonna take the kids over the fence and we're, we're, we're going out the back door right. and I'm keeping my kids safe. Um, and they were just so mad at me. I don't think I got invited back to a safety meeting. <laughs> um, How dare you have common sense? I don't understand. I, I just, I. I don't agree with with hiding. I don't agree that, I mean, I understand that like things are going to happen, but like if those kids, if we're gonna use that last, the last one as an example, they hid for 45 minutes and no one came to help them. So like, if that's gonna be your theory that someone's gonna come help, 
what about when they don't? Um, so yeah. it, I, I would take it as my job as a mom and as a, uh, educator to keep my kids safe to keep myself safe. Right. So we're gonna, we're all going, we're getting out of here. Um, I think the, the fear is, is realistic. There's been guns brought into the building that I teach at, um, or I did teach at, and you know, th there's no way to really police that in a way that is conducive to being in all schools. Like there's not going to be metal detectors in elementary schools. That's ridiculous. But I could talk about gun laws for a whole podcast if you'd like. <laughs> but I know that there's definitely weapons in some of these kids' houses that are attainable. And that's terrifying. And that the kids could bring it. Not even just like a stranger coming in with a door that's open. It's the the changes they've made as a school or keep your door locked with a little magnet in it so we can pull the magnet real quick and lock it. Yeah. That's it. That's 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 how we're gonna keep you safe. So no, it's not great. It's not a reason I don't think I left, but it's definitely got me considering places to bring my kids that would be safer than where I was teaching because right now there's not a whole lot of regulation there for sure. Understandable. What about your salary? Were you happy with your salary? <laughs> yes, I'm, 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 you smile and laugh. I know, but I'm, I'm asking the questions. We're here and we're happy. <laughs> Uh, Were no, you happy not. with your salary? No, it's when you ridiculous. walked away. Like when you walk, I want to know not when you started. When you walked away, were you happy with your salary? No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, so I don't know if you talked about this. Um, if you saw, like Florida is, I'm pretty sure it's Florida is letting um, any veteran be a teacher now because of their teacher shortage. Did you see that? Like, I, or, or a veteran spouse. Right. Like, so like with no teaching background, with no teaching background. Right. <laughs> For me, when I read that, it was just like, obviously, first of all, it's ridiculous. But second, it just discredits how hard our job actually is and what we're doing um, that you think just anyone can walk in off the street and do our job. That's that just kind of shows it paints a picture of what people think of with teachers. I mean, every kid goes to school. Right. <laughs> so yeah. wouldn't you want to pay the people who are responsible for literally shaping the course of our world, like that their job is the most important. Like I, I know doctors are important, but not everybody even goes to the doctor. And if you go to the doctor, you, you know, once a year, these kids are going to school <laughs> all year long and yeah. these teachers are getting paid nothing. I mean, it's not enough to live off of. It's not enough to support a family in any way. Luckily I was able to, be able to afford to walk away but i know a lot of teachers can't um but teachers trust me when i was a teacher and i walked into target and i saw they're making 20 dollars an hour i was like and i get a discount for shopping at target and i think i might <laughs> think i might need a career change you know and so now nah, and and don't don't even get me started the people that are paid the least in schools the people that work the hardest and it's very disheartening to know like and and you wouldn't know if you weren't in the building that like the paraprofessionals and the um, support staff, they just get abused, man. They are doing everything from opening your kids <laughs> stupid applesauce packet at lunch <laughs> to, to being in the room with the kids who or behavior problems so that the teacher can take a break from, you know, taking uh, lunch, uh, recess duty out there with the kids all by themselves to like, it doesn't, they're doing all the jobs nobody else wants and they're getting paid crumbs. They're getting paid half of what a base teacher salary is, which is also terrible. But those people, like, I, I don't see how you can survive like that. And those are the most important people in the school. In my opinion, the school does not run without them. When a teacher is absent, they're, they're pulling a para, right? They're looking for someone to come in and help that knows the kids. And so the parents are doing the same work as the teachers and getting paid half. Um, and that's just ridiculous. And I don't think if you're in, if you're not in education, you don't know that. You don't know that like that kindergarten classroom has two teachers. One's getting paid like a teacher and one's getting paid nothing. Right. So that's, that's what really frustrates me about education is like the, just not valuing the people that do the most for your school. It's terrible. Yeah. Wow. 
I, I have one last question. Like we've kept you on here for a long time talking about this subject. I think it's a fascinating <laughs> subject being that. Uh, well, it's because I can talk forever and I apologize for that. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> talking to two people who talk so much. We started a podcast so we could talk so much. So you're, I love that. I love yeah, that. You're fine. you're fine. My last question. Do you see yourself ever going back into education? Right now, I would say yes. Mostly because it's hard to be at home. Plus, there are two evils. Um, no, not for a while, though. I need a fresh start. I think I don't see myself going back to the same school. That for I'm sure. going to interrupt you. I'm going to I'm going to interrupt you right there because I, I said I had one more question, but this opens another door. You were in the public school system, am I correct? Mm-hmm. Yes, would, indeed. Would you go back to the public school system or would you go private? Ah, see that. Here we go. Here we go. Okay, yes. I I'd be at the point um where I need to start making a decision based on where I would want my kids to go, right? Um because I can hardship my kids to where I'm teaching. So I would definitely consider going into a private position because my kids could go there um and have more of a say in these kind of things that shape the way that their education would be, but also in how I would be able to teach. Um, there's less rules, obviously, in a private school um, or different rules or hopefully more progressive rules um, about the things that you're able to do and say as you're teaching, um, especially with all this crap about the books that they're banning and stopping teachers from having classroom libraries and Ohio allowing teachers to carry guns. There's just a lot of things in public schools that are not looking great. And I'm hoping that in, you know, four years is kind of my rough estimate of when I would go back, um, hoping that I could probably get into either a, a different district um, or ideally a, a private a school. Private school. <laughs> okay. Well, I'm, I'm going to leave you know that. I, 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 yeah, yeah. Well, Serena, I'm acting like I don't know you here. <laughs> I, know. I know, I know, I forgot. But you would rather teach at a private school where, like, you just feel more valued in a private school. I feel like they they're paying more attention to their teachers because they have less of them usually. You know, the people are paying to go there, so it's a little bit of a different vibe <laughs> than a public school where we can't help it. The teachers are glorified babysitters a lot. In, in the minds of others. We found out how much of a glorified babysitter that we were during the pandemic because people were ready to bring their kids back to school. Like, y'all need to take these kids back. <laughs> you remember that? Like, <laughs> y'all get them. I don't, we don't care about the pandemic. You, go, you, you get corona with the kids. Go ahead. You remember that one month? I think it was like early 2020, like right when, like, like April, maybe. Like the, they'd been home with their kids for like three weeks and they were yeah. like, oh, we love teachers so much. Where'd that go? Yeah, yeah. There's, there's no more love. It doesn't. There was, take there was like a whole week where they were like, "We love our teachers. <laughs> you guys work so hard. I don't know how you do this all the time." And then that was just that was gone. Yeah, that was out, out, the out, out the door. Uh, out the door. I think uh, this next year it'll, it'll be even more teachers leaving because I, I think I, I think teachers. I mean, I know 10, 12 teachers personally that left this last year. Um, I, I think it's just going to be even more this next year. Once I think a couple teachers hung on to see if those changes were actually going to happen, to see if they could find that fulfillment again. And if it doesn't happen, then adios amigos, you know? Because <laughs> this is the first real quote unquote normal year since the pandemic, right? Yes, this is officially the normal year. Because last year, students were back. They, some of. had to wear masks. Yeah. Um, if some, if there was an outbreak, you had to sit out and now it's like, you, I don't even think there's mandatory reporting. There's not anymore. Yeah. So the CDC says good luck. Yeah. So it's like, you're back at, you're back at school yeah. and there's monkey pox. Have fun. <laughs> <laughs> so educators out there, we love, we love you here. Yes. It, that's news to me. We love you very much. Well, Erica. Yes, sir. Are you up for doing your story? Yeah, it is education related. Is education related? It oh, is. okay, okay. It is. Okay, well, bring Are it we on. ready? I'm, we're ready. So my story comes to us from Parade.com. Parade, the magazine? Yeah. Uh, that used to be in a newspaper? I think so, yeah. 
I remember that. Does yeah. it still come in the newspaper? I have no idea. I don't touch paper. <laughs> okay. Just kidding. I do sometimes. And I'm like, what is this in my hand? Is it not, a, it's not on the screen? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what this is. So um, it also comes to us from Wikipedia. So parade was the original content. And then I got curious and, you know, Wikipedia is always right. Right. Sure. Anyway, did you know that in the 1940s, all the way through the 1970s, if you went to an Ivy League school as an incoming freshman, you were required to leave a nude photo of yourself with that school. What? Yep. What? I didn't know that. Yeah. They took a nude photo of every incoming freshman at schools like Harvard, Yale. Princeton. I mean, there's a list. You can find it. It's it's pretty much every Ivy League school. It was from uh, 19, the 1940s through the 1970s. So if, you know, if you have a parent who went to an Ivy League school in the 1960s or 70s, there's some blackmail information out there somewhere sitting around an Ivy League school. And here's why they did it. They did it in the name of science. So speaking of that wonderful logic that the school systems are so good at, they were thinking, you know, we've got pervasive issues with scoliosis, rickets, these medical conditions that we can diagnose through looking at the bodies of, of the kids or the, the people. So in order to help diagnose these medical conditions, we're going to take nude photos of every incoming freshman. <laughs> and the students were like, that makes sense. Oh, my God. This robe. <laughs> what? I think if, 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 I, if I worked so hard to get into Harvard only to be told, strip down, we got to make, make sure you don't have scoliosis, I'd be like, let me stop you right there. I've already got it. So, <laughs> and like the camera quality back then, you can't diagnose anything from that, right? That's right. Like, no, no, I, the most absurd. And you said this went on until the seventies, into the seventies. Yes, the the forties I can understand because people were just stupid back then. But the seventies, the seventies. Come on, wow! So, so in all the forties, the they're they're probably doing sketches. They like <laughs> carbon. Right? Carbon drawing. Yeah. And you just see a, a like a, a really curved <laughs> spine. And they're like, oh, this one looks weird. <laughs> it had to be multiple pictures. It was like, all right, front, side, right. back, other Endeavor. side. What? <laughs> <laughs> wow. It's like a, if you've ever had a spray tan before, you stand in this booth with your feet on the, the these little pads. And then you hold your arms out, you stand front, and then they, they spray your front and your back, and then you turn to the side, and they get your side, and you turn to the other side so that you don't get any spray tan lines. Erica, you do know I'm black, right? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, maybe maybe you want a little darker chocolate shade. I don't know. I'm good. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, listeners. Maybe she's explaining this for y'all, but I don't know. I was to. explaining it for the listener. Because <laughs> I don't see myself in the Teddy booth. <laughs> I this? don't know. I feel like we should do that as a, as a thing. Mookie gets, <laughs> gets a spray tan. I would do it for the sake of science. Yeah, I, would. science I would do a spray science. tan for the sake of science. See, that's exactly what these people said in the 70s. <laughs> <laughs> right. So... Are these pictures still available in the archives at these prestigious universities? I am sure they are. Even if these schools say, we burned them, we swear. Mm -mm, mm -mm. So like, let's say if my mother went there and she went back and said, I need my new pictures. I would like to burn them myself. Could um, she get them? They're a property of the school. That's Dang. insane. That is right? and, and you know, you just, I mean, I guess it's probably different back then because they're not digital. Right. They were probably made digital. <laughs> yeah. I in my head, somebody got a big old scanner mm -hmm. and they're like, we're gonna keep these. We're yeah. not going anywhere. Somebody that works there is still looking at those pictures to this day. Yeah. They go to work every now and then. You know what? I'm gonna look in the sixties and see who was here. Uh-huh. You know who they pay well? That person. <laughs> That's really like big. where like they got like a safe full of nudes in these schools. Right. <laughs> is this how Playboy was started? Probably. Creepy old Professor Smith is like, uh, I got to go down the basement real quick. Did he go to an Ivy League school? Did uh, Hugh Hefner? I don't know. 
Serena, would you happen to know that? I have no idea. I okay. have this handy thing in my hand called a phone. I do too, yeah. but I'm not looking And I it up. can look it up. Um, <laughs> I just, that that's disturbing on so many levels. So Harvard actually had it, its own program. Um, so let me go into a little bit about the program itself. So, and this is according to Wikipedia. Um, so they were taken in the 1940s through the 1970s of all incoming freshmen at Harvard, Yale, Princeton, and seven sisters colleges. And there, there's a list that you can find ostensibly to gauge the rate and severity of rickets, scoliosis, and lordosis. Lodortis, I don't know how to say this word. Lordosis. 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 Anyway. It's, whatever the, it is, it's probably coming back this year. Probably. That's coming after <laughs> monkeypox. Um, makes your arms fall off. Anyway, the photos are simple black and white images of each individual standing upright and to your point from front, back and side perspectives. Wow. So there's at least four photos needed right there, right? Did they put the names on the photos? I would imagine so. You have to. Yeah. That's what if, they're using it for. Right. right. Like if it's in the name of medical prevention and Mookie's got this lordosis you want to let mookie know i do have new Your pictures out there fall apart but they're not at ivy league schools Ooh, who's got them <laughs> <laughs> my mother has one. Oh, is it of mookie's baby butt no no no. i was what hey yo what the fuck i was in middle school i used to i used to love streaking i had a, <laughs> i had this big red afro i i had this sandy red hair when i grew it out and I was your but, hair gets red. Yes. And if I grow it out long enough, it turns red. And uh, I was standing in front of a deep freezer, butt naked dancing. <laughs> and somebody snapped a Polaroid picture and my mom still had it. But I can't find that picture. Someone has a naked picture of me out there. That's awesome. Yeah. You might want I have it. You have <laughs> it. Serena. How funny would it be if it's blown up in the background in her closet? <laughs> Serena, do you have it? Right <laughs> it's framed. <laughs> yes that was that what's that little song a little song what's that song called my dangling? she said a little song, little song. Well, sometimes it can be <laughs> you know she she heard dangling and she went little i did she went little I did. I did. so harvard had its own program so this program from harvard goes all the way back to 1880s so from the 1880s to the 1940s. You didn't have cameras in the 1880s. You know those like old timey cameras where they have the hood, like they pull that black sheet over them. And yeah, go, and somebody hit the hole of flash. And then the flash goes, whoosh, and this big cloud of smoke comes out like a cannonball. Can you imagine you're standing there naked? Next thing you know, you got that photo dust already. <laughs> Coughing. Just like a spray tan. Right? Just like a spray tan. You got to stand there for an hour so it captures you. <laughs> People, perver- this this had to be some perverted reasons for doing this. I'm sorry. Yeah, it, I'm sure it was. So once the 1940s rolled around and this larger project came about, Harvard rolled theirs into this project. It was run by William Herbert Sheldon. He sounds intriguing. Bazinga. <laughs> the most boring name ever. William Herbert Sheldon at your service. And Ernest Albert Hooten also sounds fascinating. Ooh who may have been using the data to support their theory on body types and social hierarchy, which is why I don't trust the government telling me about medical information because they never use that information in the way that they say that they're going to use it. We're going to make sure you don't have rickets, but we're also going to see, are you pear shaped or not? I don't know the other shapes because that's what I (laughs) know that matters. What remained of the images were transferred to the Smithsonian. Whoa. And it says that most were destroyed. Most, right, were destroyed. Yeah, they kept their favorites. They did. Right. They're like, oh, Bill Clinton, we'll keep this one. <laughs> Pyrone's disease. Check. You're looking confused. You know, he's got a crooked wing- wiener, right? It's Pyrone's disease. You've been with Bill Clinton too? Yeah. <laughs> this podcast has taken a turn. <laughs> <laughs> Much like his peanut. <laughs> uh, allegedly. 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 Uh, oh, and here's, here's oh my, my favorite, and I'll end on this sentence. However, in late 2020, a handful of photos appeared for sale on eBay. 
implying that at least a handful remain in private collections. See? (laughs) Every single one of them's out there. Just gotta find them. Somebody's making money off these naked photos. That's right. Blackmail. Damn. I don't know what to say about this. Just feels very, very American history, doesn't it? It is. That's true American history right here. (laughs) And then also, it's like history repeating itself. Isn't this how Zuckerberg started Facebook? What? If I'm not mistaken, he was going around. He went to Harvard. Was it Harvard or Yale? I don't remember. I want to say Yale. That was Yale. It was okay. So Mark Zuckerberg attended Harvard University, where he launched Facebook in February 2004 with his roommates Eduardo Savarin, Andrew McCollum, Dustin Moskovitz, and Chris Hughes. Instead of Facebook, it started off, he uh, started posting pictures of girls at Harvard University and for, to be rated. Erica Albright's a bitch. Oh. And then that is how Facebook's it, that turned into Facebook because and then those twins, the ro- the the twins that sued him that on yeah. the rowing team. Yeah, he stole the that rowing. idea and then wrote flipped that into Facebook. It was taking pictures of girls, putting them on a website to be rated, uh, hot or not, and then stealing that idea. And Harvard University in 2003 as FaceMash, an online service for students to judge the attractiveness of their fellow students. Boom, there you go. So you're a great asset to this podcast That's today. That's right. <laughs> with Harvard and Because I would say, FaceMash. y'all had me saying Yale. Yeah, I, know, I, just, I just didn't want to, I just want to keep dogging on Harvard, but I guess we got to. I, know, that's, I was like, <laughs> Harvard needs a break. I thought it was, I was Harvard, yeah. Harvard doesn't deserve that break. Yep, but he didn't graduate from Harvard. They can't claim him completely. Look at that, you still read about it. Yeah, because man, he's got he's got a lot of bad things, this Zuckerberg dude. I yeah. just, you know when you Google someone now, it just right. tells you all their bad stuff. Yes. <laughs> Everything there, bad. It's never he could have gave five million dollars to some poor guy yesterday, but it's not gonna say that. Mm-hmm. No. no, he, he stole the reading. idea for Facebook. Yep. yep. Mm. Some Any, anyway. So what we know now is there's uh grandma nudes out there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If you're ever like, Grandma, where'd you go to college? It's like, well, 1953, I was the first person from my high school to get into to Princeton. You'd be like, oh, Grandma's oh, got some great. movies. Got some movies. <laughs> well, and, but the thing with most of those Ivy League schools back then is would, wouldn't most of the pictures have been dudes? Yeah. That's very true. Ah, didn't think about that. Just a bunch of sausage pictures. Yeah. <laughs> Just came out. Wow. Makes it even more like, I mean, it's pedophile from the beginning, but yeah, now. Even more. Yeah, right. Dang, that's like, oh, so maybe it was a Boy Scout leader that was. Uh, maybe. You know, a lot of those Ivy League schools. Yeah. A lot of those Ivy League schools have those secret societies that are like skull and bones. And, you know, there are all of these rumors about. I'm not in this conversation. <laughs> <laughs> But there are rumors about like ceremonies that involve weird stuff, you know? So I don't know, maybe there's a correlation there. It just attracts weird things. You know, you hear of actresses with the casting couch and all this stuff. I don't know that there's anything. Casting couch. I thought that was just porn. What do you mean? Never mind. Casting couch, like I'll give you this role if you show me your boobies, and she's like, "Well, I mean, I don't want to, but I really want to be famous." Did okay. I just tell her myself? No, my, <laughs> yes. my bad. <laughs> you caught me off guard. Well, anyway, so yeah. Anyway, that's my story. Weird. That was a weird story. Yeah, that was a weird story. Okay, naked pictures of dude. We said grandma, but it's mostly grandpas out there with their wieners out. That's right. So and grandpa, grandpa's like, back in my day at Princeton. Yeah. Bill Clinton has a pair of penis. That's Yeah, that's you didn't know that? I, that came out in the trial. Why would I know that? Because it was it was a big deal. Maybe because I was a woman. It was a big deal. It that's was what a big she deal. Said. I was like, uh, ooh, it can curve? I didn't know that. <laughs> Oh man, this it's podcast weird. has been educational. <laughs> hey, listen, if you said you listen to this podcast, you know that we get a little ratchet. <laughs> you know, it's important with the news to get a little graphic at times, I think. Okay, yeah. cool. Yes. Yeah, right. Otherwise, yeah. it's not the news, you know? 
Yeah. I mean, what is news without commentary? We need it all. We do. We need it all. We just hit it from a different angle. That's what he said. (laughs) (laughs) I've done like three. That's what she said. I felt like it was time for that's what he said to be inclusive. (laughs) I'm done. I don't know. (laughs) Hitting it from all angles today here. (laughs) But I'm bumped. Okay. This has been lovely. You have been a wonderful addition and we are so grateful that you're with us. Thank you. I have had, had a great time in the closet today. <laughs> um, hanging out with you guys. Thank you for having me. Sorry for talking for too long. No, no. no it was. Too long. <laughs> That's why we're here. That's right. We're here to That's talk. why we're here. We appreciate you. Uh, make sure you tell your friends to like, share, and subscribe, everyone. Uh, you can hit us up uh, if you have any stories you would like to share with us. Uh, our email address is that's news to me at gmail.com. Close. That's news to me, too. The, oh, God. Dog, gmail.com. I watched his brain have a fart during that. Yeah. <laughs> he, he, he like kind of had an absence seizure. He was like, oh, yeah. no. <laughs> he, was, he knew it was wrong. Yeah. He was, he, you could tell he knew he messed up. What's yeah. that email address again? That's news, the number two, me, the number two at gmail.com. What she said. <laughs> yeah, that's that's what she said for real. <laughs> that's right. Literally. Thank y'all for tuning in. Thanks. And thank you to our guest, Serena. We love you. We love you. Love you. Awesome. <laughs> news to me. You can't say this now. Can't Thank you all for listening. Don't forget to share, subscribe, rate, and follow us on Facebook and Instagram to keep the conversation going. Do you have a suggestion for a future episode? Please let us know. Send us an email at thatsnews2me at gmail.com. That's news, the number two, me, the number two, at gmail.com.